0: Are you a kingdom-minded real estate investor? Do you see real estate as an incredible vehicle to advance the flourishing of the kingdom and mission of Christ? If so, we welcome you to the Kingdom Real Estate Investors podcast, the podcast to spotlight and share the stories of real estate investors just like you who are advancing the kingdom of God and using real estate as the vehicle. Let's get into the show. Kingdom Real Estate Investors, if you have not gone to oneconnectionaway.com, then you don't know that we have been promoting and just finished a live 90-minute webinar where I shared the exact strategies and secrets that have helped me go from college pastor to full-time real estate investor and purchase more than $100 million of multifamily real estate. But not only me, I also shared the secrets and strategies of those inside of our Kingdom REI Mastermind that have helped them become CEOs to attain financial freedom, to actually leverage a business for kingdom advancement We've gotten incredible, incredible reviews, and so we're going to do an encore coming up very soon that I want to invite you to attend. If you have not already attended this, go to OneConnectionAway.com. That's OneConnectionAway.com to grab your seat for our next live webinar so that you can learn exactly what we have to quit your job and begin to live life on your own terms through commercial real estate. OneConnectionAway.com. Let's get into the episode. Welcome, everyone, to the Kingdom Real Estate Investor Podcast with my co-host, Cameron. Cameron, how we doing, man?
1: Hey, brother. Doing very, very good today. How about yourself?
0: Dude, amazing. We got a great guest
1: on today's show.
0: Uh, like me, pastoral ministry background. Like me, real estate boss. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Doing both, man. Uh, no kidding. Actually, we have Bronson Hill on the show today. Uh, met Bronson. We go way back all the way back to january of this year about 30 days ago and i think i've seen this guy about three times since then so we were just joking on that like hey man we're kind of getting used to seeing each other so we're both making the rounds this guy's hustling doing big deals and uh, but loves the lord and so really excited Cameron, for you to get to meet him and for our audience to get to meet him so uh without further ado Bronson, welcome to the show man
2: Hey man, really excited to be here with you guys. Love talking all things, you know, faith and all things real estate and just really excited for the conversation today and love what you guys are doing.
0: So I was kind of, you know, joking how much we have. And so I said this will be our easiest conversation of the day. Do give our audience a little bit of your kind of your background on what you're up to. Just a, you know, a brief bio so we know who we're talking to.
2: Yeah. So my background, I was a youth pastor for a number of years. And then for 10 years, I was in medical device sales. I used to go into surgical settings and OR and sell physicians, uh, heart surgical products. And I was starting to try to develop um, passive income. And I was going to do that by owning single family real estate. And I had four or five houses in another state. And it was kind of a lot of work. And I had a relative come to me and say, you know, this looks like a lot of work. Why don't you do multifamily? And I said, well, I'd love to, but I don't have the money. And he said, well, you can raise the money. And he said, read this book, go to this conference, you know, check this out. I just kind of did everything he said. And here I am, you know, four years later and I've raised $20 million, quit my corporate job and just loving life. So I haven't, I've literally, I think I just quit this last year. It's been about six or eight months since I finally quit because it was just such a great job. It was hard to walk away from, but I quit it. And I've just, I haven't had a moment where I'm like, gosh, I really wish I was back at that other job. So I love talking about financial freedom because it allows people to really pursue their purpose and to really get into what they're here to do.
0: Oh man, Cameron, I told you this is gonna be a good show. <laughs> I got my <laughs> notepad out now, man. Guys, by the way, that's what I know about Ronson. One, this guy is just just you love being around them. I also know this: the guy it can raise. He's raised a lot of money, so we're gonna talk about raising capital today. We're also gonna talk about I love just your heart for helping people achieve financial freedom. Which, again, coming from the circle that we come from being in ministry financial freedom was never for me anyways even in the picture i'm like i mean financial freedom was like i got christ i'm going to die and go to heaven and so like in some ways you know i'm free but let's be honest i'm never going to really get to financial freedom in my lifetime i'm really excited to even talk about how how you've been able to do that and how you're helping others so this is going to be a great show uh let me pray for us can i Heavenly Father, thank you again. I just love uh, that even this connection that you've made. And I just pray that it would be 30 minutes now or however long we have would be an encouragement to all who are listening uh, to see that you are God, a God of abundance and a God of opportunity and that you do love your children. You love us. You love those who are listening. And uh, you have more in store for us, maybe even uh, things that we can't see or envision now and pray that by your spirit that you would enlighten our, our heart, our mind, our eyes to see bigger and better ways we can serve you and be a part of what you're doing. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Like, how do you go from pastor to real estate investor <laughs> entrepreneur? That's what everyone wants to know. How How did you do that? And so I'm just, right. I am just now that I'm in the boat. I'm like, yeah,
2: how did you do that? You know, it's interesting, Ellis. I'm sure you have this feeling sometimes where you're like, how did I get here? How did this happen? I was doing this thing and it just kind of shifted this and yeah, Uh it goes from here to there. And I'm a little older than you are. So I've had my whole medical sales thing in the middle people would say like, how'd you get from ministry to that? And then this, and now you're talking about money. And of course, you know, you raised, I was in a very kind of middle-class household, you know, money was, we didn't talk about money or, you know, money was, I wouldn't say money was evil, but money was just something we didn't really talk about regularly. But I think you know, for me, how I kind of got here was just this idea of, you know, God will lead us in different ways. And this is idea of convergence, right? So I learned some skills when I was a youth pastor. I learned some I learned how to love people. I learned how to follow God. I learned how to be spirit led. I learned how to just, you know, say, okay, God. Like there was actually a time where I went to Africa and I remember I served there for five, six months. And I was just like, I really thought, like, I may go and like I may die. And like just getting to a place where I was like, okay, like if that's my life, like and so living in that place of sacrifice where I've given my life over to God, right? And if he wants now, if he wants me to sell everything and go move to India and be a missionary, like that's, I'm okay with that, right? I think one thing it really taught me is that, you know, money is not the most important thing. Money is a tool. And I think that's one thing I'm really passionate about now is just teaching people about what money really is. Money can be something that controls somebody and it's not, you know, money is not evil, right? People think that money is evil but it's the love of money, right? It's the it's actually when it gets in our hearts and it really becomes what we're going after. And so I think that you guys like you and me in this world, we kind of go around. And we're in this real estate world where there's a lot of the kind of yachts and Mai Tai lifestyle kind of pursuits and that stuff. I'm not saying it's wrong or bad, but it's just when you have a big why and you have a sense of calling and you have a sense of God leading you in your life, it, it, I promise you, it's going to look different than what you expected. And so if your life isn't exciting, if you're not really doing something that, you know, that might be a season, but it's also a question to ask yourself, like, am I really where God wants me to be? And so I think just kind of following that and kind of taking one you know step in front of the other and realizing, you know, okay, you know, I had some background as a financial advisor while I was still doing some other things. And, and so it just, it's been kind of a natural progression. But um, again, I do have some of those moments where I'm like, am I really doing this? Like, it's just, it's crazy. It's fun.
0: Your first deal though, like, can you explain how you were serving? I mean, where'd you go straight from ministry into real estate or you had, you kind of transitioned to sales after that. Give give me a little bit of that backstory too, to clarify that.
2: Yeah. So I was, uh, you know, 10 years in medical sales. I did that for a while. And then, um, you know, basically some of the transition I was at a a large church was a youth pastor. Just really wasn't a good fit for me. Kind of a a long story, kind of how that happened, but realized like, okay, I was working at this church. It just, it just wasn't right. And then I, there's a really great assessment called strengths finder. Basically it's like a personality Mm -hmm. assessment. But it basically, I, I took that and then I just kind of prayed about it. I really felt like maybe sales would be a good fit for me. So I got into sales, started doing you know medical sales for years. And then uh, with, you know, again, when it comes back to that story of just really becoming more passive, right, being free to do things that create things and work with people, the, the ability to be a passive investor or to be even an active investor and do things where you generate more equity and more value was really powerful. So I think a lot of people think like, oh, you just move from this to this, to this. No, it's been a process. And I I do believe in, like I mentioned this idea of convergence, where all the skills that I learned as a youth pastor, like are with me now and all the things that I learned in medical sales I'm using and all the things over here, they all start to converge. And so it's not that, you know, we're doing this. and, And i also have this belief that if you're a believer and you're following God, you are in ministry, like he'll send you wherever, right? Like you are, whether you work at a church or you're a doctor, or you're a teacher, or you work in real estate. It's just how much do you allow God to work through your life, right? And so that's something I pray. And it just happened at a conference, actually, the conference we were just at this weekend, Ellis, this was a conference, there was a chance to talk with a young guy about faith and just share a little bit. And you know, he had some different things to share. It was just really cool to feel like, wow, I feel like God's really using me here. So you just never know if you're available and you're saying, here I am, Lord, send me. You don't know what that will look like. And it could look very different than the way you expect.
0: Yeah, so good, man. I just love, I, my wife and I always say, like, being in a relationship with God is such an adventure. He may, I, I love that. Like if you're gifted as an entrepreneur, which I am, you are, I thought the highest gifting and calling was like, I need to be a pastor. I need to be in ministry. Right. And yet here we are as entrepreneurs because this is an important work of the kingdom. It's an important apostolic gifting that God's given all three of us here on this call. We're able to really serve God in, in, in a way that more aligns with who we are in, in his kingdom. And so I think that's so good, man. I love that you, like if you serve God, you're in ministry and that's such a good line because we do, we are servants. Uh, that, that's what we are. We're servants to our investors, to our tenants. And, and it's so, it's so true, man. So I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Bronson, I, I appreciate you saying that too. There was a time in my life when I, I was in seminary in Denver, Colorado, and I only made it halfway through on my seminary dropout. And it was a time in my life when I was pursuing a lot of ministry doors, tons of internships, residency programs, and I got turned down by all of them. And I just felt the Lord press in my heart and say, hey, Cam, like, you know, knowing everything about you, would you really want to be led by you right now? I'm not looking for your fruitfulness. I'm looking for your faithfulness. Mm. You know, your fruitfulness will come through your faithfulness and I will give fruit. But I just felt like such a failure and a loser and just a letdown to God because like there's no ministry fruit in my life but I looked and observed my life. There was no faithfulness where I had opportunity to, to serve in my ministry capacity, my friends, my community, my family, places I had influence. I had such little faithfulness. There was no fruit. And so it's just a big humble punch to the face. Thank the Lord. But I, I'm glad you said that. Cause that just resonated with me a ton. Like I'm always in ministry. Like I always have the opportunity. If there's no fruit. It's cause I'm being faithless.
2: Yeah, no, I think it's really true that we, you know, a lot of us were, at least if you grew up in the church, it's kind of like, if you had anything going on, you were a pastor or you did something formal in ministry. But I I just think, you know, when Jesus said, you know, look at the fields, there's so much work to do out there. And and that can also be overwhelming. But I think just being willing, just not caring who gets the credit, right? Just being out there, being willing to make a difference. And it may look like working at a church or being a pastor. It may look like cleaning the toilets of the church. It could be doing stuff in your community that nobody sees. And I think it's just You know, when you kind of just fall in love with what God is doing, rather than how it looks like, right? There's a religious side that we want to be recognized. We want to be in a certain role, and I I see that in myself. Like I wanted that for myself, but then I realized, you know what? None of that really matters, right? What really matters is just what am I called to do, and am I doing that, regardless of what anybody else sees, right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, let's talk about this vehicle, like how you're using the vehicle of real estate, the vehicle multifamily. You talk about being a servant. I mean, how how do you see this as your ministry today?
2: Um, I think in general, you know, it comes back to what I said earlier about just what really is money, right? Money is a tool. Money is, we're stewards, right? We're not owners. You actually introduced me to Faith Driven Entrepreneur, and I just just finished that book recently. So there's a book out that talks about this idea of, of stewardship versus ownership, right? We don't own anything. We're just simply stewards. And when you allow people, you get to help people to, you know, become More financially free, and 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 to do, I think the biggest thing, whether they're working at their job and they continue to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or whatever, or if they can retire and spend time with family, it's just that what are they here to do? What are they called to do? And I'm always kind of trying to pay attention to that in my own life as well as the lives of others. Of who is this person? Who has God made this person to be? And what are they here to do? Because that's that's really the key. A lot of times we think we know what we want, right? We want to live on the beach somewhere and have my ties except for Ellis because he doesn't like my ties, uh-huh. but maybe maybe Cameron does and I like my <laughs> ties. But we have this idea of what our life is supposed to look like, but it really, you know, true joy only comes from submitting our lives to God. So, you know, again, there's little pieces here and there, and I don't always have a direct like, oh, this day, this thing happened, and, but there are opportunities, you know, if I'm paying attention and if I'm open, and sometimes like, I can mean talking with my neighbor, or it could be when I'm at an event and something happens and I'm able to just say, Hey, I want you to know, I'm praying for you on this. Or, Or like this young man, we had a conversation recently and it was like, he just grew up in a background where there was just a lot of hard stuff that happened and not really religious, but I just said, well, you know, there's a difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus. Those are very different things. And what does it mean to actually feel like you have a relationship with God that you can pray and he can, you know, lead you in your life. And so I think it's, you know, again, it's like we start every day. We don't know what it's going to look like, but just being available. And I think that's something I mm-hmm. continually work on because I'll start in the morning. I'll do my devotion. I'll either listen or read some Bible and I'll spend all the time in prayer. And then I just kind of forget about it during the day. And it's for yep. me, that's my biggest challenge is just staying available during the day and mm-hmm. being open to those moments, right? Mm-hmm.
0: How do you see financial freedom as a part of that ministry? Like you're, you you talk about that a lot. You're pursuing, it. you're helping others pursue that. How, how do you see that as a part of kind of your, your mission in, in being part of the kingdom?
2: So I think, you know, that there's the parable of the talents, which talks about, you know, really the idea of stewardship, you know, to whom much is given, you know, there will be more given, you know, if you, if you handle it well, if you steward it well. And so, um, you know, money is a tool. I think in the church, what we've typically done is we've taken people that are really ambitious and we've said, oh, go, go check out Dave Ramsey. And Dave Ramsey is great, but, you know, we're talking one-on-one. This is don't go into debt and, you know, be, make wise financial decisions but when it comes to actually saying, hey, I'm ambitious, I really want to do, I have a gift to be an entrepreneur. I have a gift to do this. I have a gift in real estate. What do we do with those people, right? We don't really have any direction for them. What I see it as is I want to make a lot of money so that I can impact the world in a very significant way. And I feel like that's how I'm wired, right? And so when I can teach people about money, that money is not evil. I mean, love of money, okay, yeah, that that is, you, know, you don't want to get stuck, you can get stuck there. But if you look at money as just simply a tool that you're stewarding, to make a difference in the world i think that message is something that really you know is not being taught is not being shared and i think a lot of pastors you know they're typically usually not very wealthy and so i think if when you have wealth it gives you a platform to kind of speak about that and then you get to approach money from a whole different way than most people most people approach it you know what i mean so i think just having the idea that you know okay money can be used to help you know, the poor can help missions. It can help, uh, you know, give in different ways, or it can also be that, you know, if you're financially free, you know, you're, you have the time now that you can pursue what God's have you here to do. You know, you can't serve both God and money. And I always heard that on the side that, you know, you, you know, if you're uh, loving money and you have too much, you know, then, then you're serving money, but what happens to the person that's paycheck to paycheck that can't quit their job. They can't, they have no time because they're working two jobs. I think there's also an element of serving, you know, serving money there. So if you're a place where you're free, we're like, okay, money comes, money goes, but I'm here to serve and I'm here to really love and serve God with this. Yeah,
0: no, that's, that's excellent. Let me, let me ask you this. How? So you say you raised $20 million of investor capital in light of that raising capital in light of maybe teaching others to raise, you know, raise capital. How, how does that idea of the way you think about financial freedom, how does that influence and even helped you? I mean, incorporate, I mean, the question is, well, how do you raise 20 million bucks, right? But I'm curious, can to maybe tie that in? Cause I know that's a significant piece of that, the way you've kind of separated your messaging, you know, in light of that. So can you talk through that process of raising investor capital and getting to $20 million and kind of even the way, maybe what's made you different along the way to help you achieve that goal?
2: There's, I mean, I can tell a really long story, but it, you know, it started, um, Basically, you know, I raised $100,000 for, for a deal from an investor. And then I found a partner about six months later who was, had a huge audience, but just really wasn't, they were going after active investors that were trying to you know, teach people how to syndicate themselves rather than actually, you know, help people that were doctors and lawyers and people that were busy, how to do that. So kind of the mechanics of how I did that, I just, we kind of created a way and a system and a platform. And I had basically about a thousand phone calls with investors one-on-one over the next 18 months. And we raised $15 million together. So I learned a lot just by having the conversations, having the time doing that type of thing. So that's, I think one of the ways that I did it. I think now, you know, I I can't remember the second part, like how you weave faith into that, but I think just really... For me, um, what I really try to do is when I'm working with people or talking with people, I try to get a sense of, you know, is this someone that could be a good partner? Because you don't want somebody who's not a good partner. I've had to say no to some people because they're just not a good fit, right? Their expectations are unrealistic or, you know, they're, they're abrasive or there's other things like that. And I think I've, I've realized in situations when, whether it's in work or in life or with people or relationships, there's just a sense where you you have a sense of favor, right? You're talking to someone, or a door opens, and and it just feels like wow, like I just feel like I walked through this door that God, you know, kind of opened up here, and that's kind of how it's felt a little bit. where it's just like wow, like you know, I've raised over 20 million dollars, we've got 150 million real estate. Like how did that happen, right? I still and I still feel like the process of raising money is kind of a magical process where somebody chooses. Yeah, I've never met you, and I'm gonna. Why are you 100k or or I you know it it just it feels a little weird, right? But over time, I just get to see trying to really approach it from a genuine like I really want to help people that have a problem with their finances like they want to get better returns with less risk than the stock market and we help solve that so it's a very practical thing for somebody who's a believer or not a believer but in that I'm also hoping that some faith element and some you know element of this is this is who I am and it's not, it's not about money. Even though I have a big number at the end, it's not about money. I don't really, the money doesn't drive me. Right. And it does, I know it doesn't drive you guys either. It's more about purpose, right? It's more about impact.
1: Even whenever I got started in this business, the more I was learning, the more passionate I was becoming about feeling a need to tell people to invest this way. So I was like, I, I it didn't take me very long to see it. Like you did is like, look, I'm not money hungry, trying to get wealthy, quick. I just truly believe after all that I've learned and seen now, this is a, a lot better, a lot smarter, more simple way to invest and grow your wealth. And I think that everyone has the right to know about it. And it's not being taught anywhere mm-hmm. formally. And so it's like, okay, now part of my purpose and all this part of it is just simply educating people on this world that exists that they will never know otherwise, unless they bump shoulders with somebody who happens to be involved in it
2: exactly yeah 100 percent. yeah it goes back to that i mean
1: even as we started this conversation
0: like you know we're called to be stewards you know in this business and yeah i mean we believe in something you know we're we're an evangelist of our mission to help people invest in multifamily. so let me ask you this i get this question a lot so it's kind of cool I'll turn the table what do you feel like as a the the skills the i don't know the things that you learned as a pastor what has translated into being an entrepreneur
2: gosh, I think there's a lot of communication skills that you need. I think the better you can communicate with people, it helps you pretty much in every area of life, right? It helps you in relationships. It's everything, isn't it? It's like, everything. It's everything. I, was like,
0: yeah. I don't even care if Ruthie graduates high school. I just want to be able to communicate effectively. Like, just yeah. like it is the key to life, dude. Like if you can communicate complex ideas into simple things, you can be freaking rich.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that there's something really amazing. When you can take a thought or an idea or a desire and you can just put it into words and you can explain it and you can ask questions, you can check in. I mean, there's just, there's a real connection that can happen. And I think as a pastor, obviously your goal is you're trying to get people to, you know, know Jesus more or to get a deeper relationship and be able to share or teach different things. But I think there's there's kind of a, a part that we call even pastors being shepherds, right? That they shepherd the flock. They're kind of helping to steer and just be, be there available for people. And I still see that, right. And we have our, you know, we have kind of our broader flock, maybe your whole list of people that are people that listen to your podcast or whatever. But then there's also this group that maybe they've invested with you, or they're part of, you guys have a, a great mastermind group that you do, and you've got a handful of people that do that. And those are like, you know, it's almost like Jesus had the, you know, the was it the 70 that he sent out? And then he's got the 12 and then he's got the three. And then you know, it's kind of like that, where you've kind of got this inner circle thing going. And so I think with people, like there's just really unique opportunities where you get into people's lives and you get a chance to, after, we actually did an event recently. We did an event, we do it at least once a year. We go shoot firearms out in the uh, Nevada desert, which is just a blast. I never really grew up with guns, but it was a lot of fun brought a few investors and there was just a great chance to really talk and share and have dinner and life on life. And just, it was awesome, right? You just get into people's lives. And I think that that really is more ministry than being upfront teaching about these different principles, right? It's actually just, they will know you're my disciples by how you love each other. So it's that kind of thing. Like even people that aren't believers, they can kind of be brought in first and then kind of see the love that's there. And hopefully that exists in, even in, in your investing group, right? Just not even like a, you know, thing that's a church thing at all. But it's just like, hey, this is, I want that to come across.
0: I got one more question for you, Ronson. I'll turn it over to Cameron before we get out of here. It takes a lot mindset wise. Uh, there's so much between the years, right? To go, to go from pastor to, I mean, we just we just put in an offer to $750,000 hard day one. Like the things we're nice. doing now don't make sense. Um, but they do make sense because I've gone on the journey. I've invested the time and what it takes to be able to get to this. What have you done to transform your mindset to really elevate who you are, you know, to be able to operate in this space as effectively as you do because this is not an easy industry and the bigger you get, honestly the more competitive it gets, the the more complicated the game gets. So like just from a from a personal standpoint, what have you done, right, to elevate you as a as a person, as an entrepreneur, as uh, as a leader uh, in multifamily.
2: So I'm going to share something very personal here. So I was married for nine years and I'm divorced. And so about five years ago, you know, I didn't expect it, I didn't ask for it, but it, it happened. And for me, and then I just started dealing with some of those questions of, well, who am I? And am I okay with God? Is God okay with my situation for whatever reason this happened? And what I started to do, Ellis, is really kind of lean into what has God spoken to me about who I am and what I'm here to do. And I think when I I'm 41 now, but when I turned 40, it just really kind of got me even more uh, thinking about what what is my purpose and what am I actually here to accomplish, and what are the things, what are the dreams that are in my heart. And so I started meditating on those things that I felt God had spoken to me, that things, ways that He interacted in my life. And each morning now I do different affirmations where I read these things that these are things that God has spoken to me, or these are things that you know are true about me. Or at a time when I felt no confidence about myself, I would read things I was like, okay, I am strong and confident in crime. I have these certain things in my life. And again, it's amazing how words are incredibly powerful. They have creative power to build up or to tear down. And when God created, you know, the world, he spoke it, right? He spoke it into, he said, let there be light. And then it happened and let there be this, let there be that. So I believe we can actually speak things into our life and take the things that are true, or we, we know to be true in our head, but we don't feel it in our heart and how we change kind of that, how that, you know, I know it to be true, but I don't feel it is we meditate on it. And so every morning, literally just about without exception, I go through these 15 different kind of slides that I have just on myself of like, these are things that are for me are true or that I believe that are true. And that's just been this process of transforming my, my mind. Like, okay, regardless, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I've been, doesn't matter that I'm divorced. It doesn't matter that I'm, you know, whatever I've been through, all the challenges I've been through in my life. Like, this is my purpose, and this is what God has for me. And it's been amazing. So, anyway, I wanted to share that.
1: Dang, man. Thanks for um, just being vulnerable and willing to share that. That's tough. And I'm sorry that you went through that. Literally, as you were saying all that, I, I read through Romans 5 this morning. I'm reading the New Testament with my church, and we're on Romans 5. And Romans 5 3 and 5 talks about how suffering triggers a chain of events, perseverance character. And the last one is hope. And you wonder, you know, a lot of people say I would love to hope in God more. I'd love to hope in God more. Well, sometimes part of the painful process that God has to take us through to give us more hope in him is, is suffering. And I just can't imagine how much hope you have in the Lord. It sounds like from just a little bit, I've heard your story here of the suffering and hard times you've most certainly gone through both of my parents to date have been married and divorced, uh, a, times married, seven times divorced. And so I'm very familiar with that world as a kid. And I know all the things God taught me through it. So I'm curious, as you walk that process, you're on the other side of it now, I hope and pray for you, brother. You know, what is something that God has just revealed to you more than he ever would have had you not gone through that season that just seemed probably like heartbreak?
2: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you know, it cuts you to the core. I mean, I mean, it just really cut me to the core of, like I was saying, you know, am I okay? Am I okay with who I am? Am I okay with God? I mean, all these things just to the, to the very core. And But I think when you cut things down to the core, you get to figure out who, who am I and, and who am I really and who does God say that I am? And to me, you know, there's, a, there's the idea of post-traumatic stress, but there's also actually, an, there's, a, there's a study called post-traumatic growth. And it actually shows you can grow so much by going through something really challenging. And I mean, I look at James chapter one, consider it pure joy whenever you go through all these different challenges. Well, why is that? How could you do that? If something bad happens like something like this or something else. And really the reason is that things don't happen to us. They happen for us. And we may not understand. I don't think God caused me to get divorced or got, you know, obviously I have responsibility in that too. And, you know, there's shared stuff with that, but I think, in the middle of it is just saying, okay, you know, God, you're, you're doing something here. And I know I have grown so much. My heart has grown. There's been a lot of things that have, have changed very positively, you know, in the middle of that. And the reason, part of the reason I share that too, is just because I know other people have been through that, or they've been touched by divorce or other things, particularly in the religious world. And I think I didn't realize I was legalistic until, and I felt like I did pretty well, just kind of in the Christian world until I got divorced. Right. So I was like doing pretty well. And then I was like divorced. divorce. I was like, oh man, that really, you know, that, that, like I, and it was challenging. Yeah. You lose friends, other things happen, but again, it just shows me too, like how important a relationship with Christ is letting go of what people think and really living from a place from your heart. So I mean, we could talk all day just about different growth things that have happened from it, but um, I do think that we can get stuck on the, what it looks like or what it sounds like versus, you know, okay, what, what, where is God in the middle of this? Right. And he's always at work and he's never discouraged. He's never like looking at your situation and be like, oh, I just wish they'd get, you like, He's just so loving. and I think being a parent has really taught me that probably the most.
1: That sounds like words from a man who's on the other side of the crucible. <laughs> One of my favorite debt theologians says that though I don't understand the hand of God, I trust the heart of God. Mm. And I feel like you've learned that well, my friend, and I'm grateful for you.
2: Thanks, man. Grateful for you guys too. I love, this is a, a very unique conversation we have here. So yeah, it
1: was, it, we don't ever talk about real estate,
0: dude. I don't even know why we call this a real estate <laughs> investing podcast <show. laughs> like, What's my podcast phone, <laughs> For some reason, also I like like literally every guest show I go on today, like I'm on this other, and it's called the like financial investor real estate show. And I swear to you, dude, we didn't talk about real estate <laughs> at all. This guy literally asked me. He asked me like, like we li- literally, I shared the gospel, and he's like, "Well, tell me about why you chose the Christian faith." Like it was something of like why Christianity. You're like,
2: "Thanks for teeing it up for me, yeah, man." I'm Here like, we go. "Okay, Welcome so up. we
0: just went from a no longer talking to real estate. I'm literally sharing the gospel with all 4,500 of your YouTube subscribers." So like, it was, it's just hilarious. I love this space, and I love that um, there's another brother like you, man, who's who's in it as well and sharing a story. So this this did not disappoint, man. Grateful for you. I want to give you a chance to let people know where they can uh, learn more about you and your company, and where to go, man. So please give that that pitch or that offer so that uh, folks can stay in touch.
2: Sure. Yeah. So I love connecting with folks, whether it's active or passive. We have this uh, guide, the single best investing strategy during and after a pandemic Yeah, 24 color pages, just some of the unfair advantages of multifamily investing these days. So that's at BronsonEquity.com, or you can just shoot me an email at uh, Bronson at
0: all right, man. I'm gonna go get that. I like that. That's a good lead magnet, by the way. That Thanks, looks pretty. Man.
2: Let me see. Hold that thing up again. Yeah, yeah. This is it. Yeah. I, Are also, you gonna send me
0: that if I go yeah. apply for that? Well,
2: you'll download it. <laughs> I printed out one of them, but you can print it out and make it look all fancy. But yeah, it's. Uh, but if you want one, maybe I can just ship you one and then. Dude, but that would be next but... <laughs> level
0: if you send that physically to people. Are yeah. you kidding?
2: Me? Yeah. It's funny though to like print this like really high quality. It costs like $10 per one. you go to like yeah, not cheap. Office Depot and they just like, which that would, I guess be a big impression when you start sending yeah. stuff like that to investors.
0: So. You know, there's the thing called an IP tracker you can put on your website and this is kind of ninja stuff, but you can gather people's mailing addresses that they can, anyone that comes to your website, you can get that through something called
2: an IP really? tracker. That's yep. amazing. I got to look that up. So you're... Yeah. Stealth for the gospel and uh, for people's IP addresses. Hey man,
0: Uh, I'm a capital raising ninja these days, man. So uh, I gotta do what I gotta do. (laughs) Bronson, grateful for you, man. Cameron, you're awesome. And uh, really thankful for both of you guys. Hey, if if you're listening to this show, listen and you enjoyed this as much as I did and you're like, this is the best podcast on the planet. Please let other people know about it. Take a screenshot of this post it on social media tag bronson tag myself tag cameron wherever you do social media i know these guys they're all over social media so wherever you do social media do us a favor screenshot this let someone know hey this was a powerful episode this can help you as well please take a listen that would go a long ways we'll see everyone next week cheers hey real estate investors i hope this show has given you permission to go out into the world and crush it in the name of jesus If you want to learn more about our community and locking arms and joining forces with other like-minded investors like yourself, go to thekingdomrei.com to learn more about our mastermind and send an application. We'll see you next week.